Welcome back to the Heather McCoy Show. Our guest joining us right now is Michelle Simon, a public health lawyer who recently uh, wrote a piece on the Huffington Post about why PepsiCo is fighting Prop 37, which would require genetically modified foods to be labeled uh, at the end of use so consumers can see it. Um, Welcome to the show, Michelle. Thanks for having me. Um, So um, what is Prop 37 and what are some of the exemptions? Well, it's a pretty simple idea. You know, um, over 40 countries around the world require some sort of disclosure, simple labeling for foods that contain genetically modified ingredients, and we're simply asking for the same type of information to be available for consumers here. It's an idea that's been tried in a number of other states around the country, and even at the federal level, we've been trying to get the Food and Drug Administration to do this, but, you know, so far the um, food industry has has won the day because they don't want this type of information to be disclosed. And so this time we're taking it to the people and putting it to the voters of California. And all polls show that uh, over 90% of Americans want to see these foods labeled. So it's a pretty simple idea, but um, not so for the food industry, it seems. Yeah. Um, the, the the term for it I hear is for like when the regulator, the people that you're, regu- that you're regulating control the regulatory agency is regulatory capture. Um, I, I've read on the KCET.com another exemption, uh, some exemptions for the, um, for the bill is, uh, let's see, milk, dairy, alcohol, meat, and food for immediate consumption. Um, and uh, is, there, is that a dangerous loophole or is that, is that just okay? No, and I wasn't involved with the drafting of the measure to know why those exemptions were put in there. But, you know, all laws have to draw the line somewhere. And sometimes there are just certain types of products that are either too complicated to worry about or or will will garner other kinds of opposition. And so, you know, but the point is that processed foods that are sold in the supermarket need to be labeled. And that's really where most of the concerns are about. Yeah, um, the one one of the exemptions for... um genetically modified food that has a small dosage of the genetically modified material. Um, Does that exemption exist because of cross-pollination of GMOs in the farmer's fields? Yeah, it's almost impossible to guarantee 100% non-GMO ingredients because of drift that comes from from farms that do contain genetically modified crops. So, and that's true even in the strictest organic standards. Yeah. Uh, just how persuasive are GMO and GMOs and foods? I have a box of Trader Joe's brand Trader O's I've been munching on for breakfast, and it says that it contains modified cornstarch. Is that an ingredient in a GMO, and what are some of the telltale signs? Yeah, well, something like over 80% of all corn grown in the U.S. is genetically modified. So odds are if you have a, a, any product in your kitchen that has corn in it, odds are it's genetically modified. Unless it says organic or GMO-free, it's probably going to be GMO corn. And that's just, um, you know, the way we grow crops in this country. And the same thing for soy. Soy is also a pretty common ingredient in many processed foods. So soy and corn are the most um, likely ingredients in processed foods to be GMO. Yeah, it's really amazing, going back to Prop 37, that the list of groups that are fighting against it, the uh, proponents, uh, or I'm sorry, the proponents of um, the Prop 37 are small donations from Lumberg Family Farm, Farms, Nature Past Food, Organic Consumers Fund. While the opponents of Prop 37 have poured on a ton of more money, the companies have made a uh, contribute 
um, con contributions against 37 include, are but not limited to PepsiCo, Coca-Cola, Kellogg's Company, BSFA, uh, BASF Plant Science. Um, who are more some of, so who are more of the top contributors, and what is their interest in stopping Prop 37? Right. Well, the um, biotech companies you mentioned have a pretty obvious interest. They're the ones that have been promoting this technology for years. But what might surprise people is that pretty much all of the top food manufacturers are opposing it also. So PepsiCo is the largest food company in the nation. They don't just make Coca-Cola, I'm sorry, soda, Pepsi, but they also manufacture Frito-Lay, um, Gatorade, and Quaker Oats products. And Coca-Cola is also heavily opposing um, the measure because of the GMO corn that is in high fructose corn syrup, the sweetener of choice of the beverage industry as well as the processed food industry in general now. And um, Nestle, the world's largest food company, ConAgra, all of these processed food makers are piling money into the No on 37 campaign, and that's because all of their, many, most of their foods are uh, made with GMO ingredients, and they know that people care about um, whether their foods contain GMOs, and they're definitely afraid of having this kind of labeling on their foods. Yeah, the food companies um, seem to be acting like cigarette cartels at this point. In another article you wrote, um, you said that they're hiring the same consultants that Big Tobacco used to use as their dirty work for Prop 37. Uh, what kind of work are they doing, and what are their tactics? Right. Well, what we know so far is that they've hired um, one law firm that has a sordid history of working with the tobacco industry, and their MO is to put up front groups. And so that means to create what seems like a grassroots organization when it's, it's fully funded by major corporations. Another group they've hired, um, their specialty is digging up dirt on the opposition. And so these are the kinds of tactics that, you know, have been well honed by the tobacco industry for decades. And we're sure to see um, some of these dirty tricks. We're already seeing the front groups. I mean, the, the way the No Coalition describes itself is uh, consisting of small businesses and small farmers. And they keep, you know, invoking this farmer image of the opposition when, you know, we haven't heard from any farmers that are opposed to this. In fact, you know, many farmers would be happy to, certainly the ones that are growing food organically, would be happy to have this kind of labeling um, on uh, foods that contain GMOs. So it's that kind of rhetoric that uh, we're already seeing from the campaign, and there's likely to be much more. Are the farmers growing the GMOs? Do they have to use the patent and seeds from Monsanto, so they have to pay a yearly leasing fee, so it would be more expensive for them to farm those? or? Right. Well, Monsanto pretty much um, controls the seed supply. And so, you know, farmers are really stuck. If they want to grow corn, they pretty much have to get it from Monsanto, one of their other uh, major seed suppliers. And so they really have very little choice. And that's the problem is that we have pretty much turned over the, um, you know, means of production to these very uh, concentrated, um, very powerful handful of seed companies. And, you know, it doesn't really make sense if you think about it. I mean, this is food that people need to subsist on, and yet we've, we've basically handed over um, the means of production and control t into the hands of corporate profiteers. Yeah, I've read arguments uh, from the uh, big food groups um, that are against Proposition 37 that if it were passed, it would, quote, add more government bureaucracy and increase taxpayer costs because of the need to monitor tens of thousands of food labels. Um, what's the mechanism in 37, and is there any merit to their claim? Well, you know, the opposition um, always throws out a bunch of scare tactics, and those are just typical ones. You know, if a food, 
company just simply follows the law, then they're in compliance, and there's no need for a lot of bureaucracy there. You know, I mean, of course, there will be some need to go after companies that aren't in compliance, but that's true of any law. You know, there's nothing different about this law than any other type of labeling law, you know, laws in general have to be complied with. So I don't know, you know, this is not that big a deal. There are other laws, in fact, specific to California and other states. You know, what we're hoping, of course, is that this sparks a national trend. And, you know, it's true that what happens in California tends to go national. So food companies don't like to have labels that are specific to one state, and obviously California is the biggest state, we could really see a change nationally, and that would be just fine. Yeah, what, what this bill reminds me of is the clean car standards for emissions in the 80s, and when California passed it, since we we're such a big player in the market above states due to population, they had to comply with uh, the rules in California, so they had to comply with them nationwide. Uh, do you see this that happening in the food market as well? Because, I mean, if you label, like, let's say, a, a box of popcorn for California and you have to put genetically modified, it's going to be expensive to print another box for just other states. Right. It it is unlikely that they would go to that trouble, though it's certainly possible because they don't want to, you know, have to disclose that everywhere. But it is likely, you know, companies don't like to have different labels, so they would um, probably have a national label. Yeah. Um, I know that uh, we have a large libertarian uh, audience in, uh, as for KUCI. Um, what would you say uh, to those that say that uh, this law doesn't really need to pass because the magic of the marketplace will decide? What's wrong with that logic? Well, I would say that that's not really been working so far. In fact, you know, um, true liberty depends on freedom of information, and that means equal access to information. And what we have now is an imbalance of information in the sense that the food companies all um, are the only ones that know which of their foods contain GMO ingredients. And so I would say libertarians that believe in true you know, freedom of the marketplace, you need to make sure that the information is freely available, and that's exactly what this initiative is meant to accomplish. Yeah, um, for those that go, oh, I don't eat junk food, so I don't have GMOs in my uh, cabinet, my brother eats super healthy, more healthy than me, and uh, when he read your report, he was surprised that the Pepsi brand, even Quaker, that's how persuasive or pervasive this is, mm-hmm. even Quaker has uh, GMOs in their foods. Absolutely, and most people don't realize that, you know, so many these days there's more and more consolidation of brands and fewer and fewer companies and so you know a company like PepsiCo owns brands across the spectrum of you know relatively health maybe some healthier products in the Quaker brand they also make a lot of highly processed junk food under the Quaker label which you know they make it seem healthy but it's many of it's just as processed as any other foods but the point is that don't be you know deceived by what are often thought to be healthier brands, that the ingredients they contain can be GMO, just like the more obvious junk food. Well, Michelle Simon, the blogger behind the website Appetite for Profit, uh, thanks for coming on the show. And uh, how can we, uh, if the audience listening wants to find out more about your work, uh, you wrote a book, uh, Appetite for Profit, as well. How can they get in touch with you? Well, the website where they can find the um, articles that I've written about the Prop 37 are all at appetiteforprofit.com on my blog there. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Up next, Laura Larson from the other side of the Cleveland National Forest. This is The Heather McCoy Show.